Welcome back, Hemming Brainiacs, to the Hemming Brainiacs List podcast. The podcast where we do things excellently. I am not at all ready to start this podcast, but I've pressed record, so here we go. Talking about Of Human Bondage, Chapter 55, as I'm opening the page as I speak. Philip still has a delicate ego. That's the discussion prompt for this chapter. Swim said the mum fishy says, it seems... Philip, sorry, I'm putting my socks on while I speak. Philip says, it seems Philip is getting a taste of his own medicine. <laughs> From Mildred. Philip is usually the one who is, one sock on, who is condescending and dismissive of others. Plus, he was used to Miss Wilkinson and Miss Price, who he also described as unattractive, who gave him all sorts of attention. Mildred won't even give him the time of day. What a blow to his ego. Two socks on. Done. I'm a fully socked person. Lady Rostova says, Until this chapter I thought his body shaming of women and not finding any women attractive because was because he was gay. He can describe a sweet smile on a guy, but only the flatness of a woman's chest. And after the drama with the waitress, he's just giving me giving my misogynistic vibes. And yes, Andrew, I was not expecting to resonate with this book this much. It's a cool experience. Um, he is quite critical of seemingly every woman that he meets uh, and their physical attraction level. Um, yeah, he's really this, is, this one's really gotten under his skin. I think, I think he has some serious self-esteem problems. Right, we all know that. We can see that. And they stem mostly from his leg. He's got one human leg and one camel's leg, essentially, and he doesn't feel very good about it <laughs> with his, uh, his old club foot. And, um, well, yeah, it's funny how he's not so critical on men's looks, but he is on females. I don't think it has... I, I think this character is supposed to be straight, and I think we need to give the author more credit than is than we are. Um... I think he feels more self-conscious in front of women because um, they are more, probably more the ones where it matters if they're attracted to him or not. Although he has been, he has got a lot of bullying from men, from boys about his looks too. So maybe that doesn't hold up. But I feel like he, he seems to be more sensitive to the the opinions of women the judgment of the women around him um, in terms of his own physical attractiveness and i think that def he's very defensive about it and that's why he kind of comes out shooting at them um a lot of people do that when they're self-conscious about something about themselves like they're not confident in their um physical attraction level then they'll be hypercritical of that in other people, you know? Um, and often it's the thing that they dislike most about other people is the one thing they kind of dislike the most about themselves. Uh, and quite often it's not even um, warranted, you know? Like, um, for me, I really dislike arrogance in people. <clears throat> I really don't like arrogance just gets under my skin. 
And I think it's because like the least, my, my, the thing I dislike most about my own personality is my arrogance. And so I'm kind of hypercritical about other people. But then at the same time, I'm not really characterized by arrogance. Like I'm not a particularly arrogant person. I just really, you know, when I have an arrogant moment, which I guess everyone would at some point, I really dislike that in myself, you know. So it's the thing I least like about myself, even if it is a very minor aspect of my personality. But then when I notice in other people, I really despise them for it, you know. <clears throat> so um, I feel like it's a bit like that with Philip. He's, he's hypercritical because of his own um, low self-esteem. Could it be that? Misogynistic... Um, yeah, I don't know. Is he misogynistic? I don't. I don't know. He's very critical of women, sure, but would he sort of I don't know, like discriminate in his actions against people based on whether or not they're a female? Does he seem to dislike them because of their femininity? I don't really think so. I don't think so. I don't think he dislikes women more than he dislikes men. Does he? Hard to say. Hard to say. Let's keep reading, though. It'll probably become quite apparent if we do. Um, I went to the doctor yesterday because I've been tired. This is a funny story. You'll love this. It's really funny for me, too. <clears throat> been very tired. And um, I've just put on weight or, like, at least struggled to lose weight during isolation. I've been exercising a bit in little kind of bursts. Um, but then I'll just eat junk food out of boredom, just being at home all the time. Anyway, I've been really tired and unhealthy and I went to the doctor just to sort of get a basic checkup. So he did the whole thing where you like stand on the scales, you know, um, listens to your heart, does a blood test, uh, sorry, blood, uh, pressure test, all that. And, um, I was kind of like curious what he's going to say, you know, am I freaking diabetic or you know, what's going on or am I just overweight? And anyway, so he got me to lay down on the table on my back on, on the bed thing, whatever it is, like the little, you know, table. Um, and he kind of, you know, listened to my heart, measured my ankles for some reason. I don't know why I did that. Did this and that. And then, um, He's like, okay, sit up. So I tried to sit up from laying down on my back and I got kind of halfway up like a sit up and then like stopped and then my legs lifted up off the table and I tipped back onto my back with my legs coming up into the air. <laughs> like, like I got a seesaw action, like got halfway up and then, oh, no, counterweight and my legs came up into the air and um, the doctor was kind of like, oh, whoops, whoops. And like, he was like, oh, be careful. And I was really embarrassed. And to be honest, like that happening answered my questions. Like I didn't need to know the results of what the tests he's just done. I'm like, yep, no, that says more than I need to know what just happened there. I need to lose 10 kilograms off my belly. <laughs> anyway, it was quite funny. It was, it was a funny mental thing. Uh, image well hopefully it is for you um all right i'm babbling today and i'm not talking properly 
that's okay. Let's keep reading. Let's do an ad. This podcast is brought to you by... Um, what's it brought to you by? Patreon.com slash The Hemingway List. That's where you can go to support the podcast. Sorry, I'm a bit distracted today. I'm not really distracted. Like, there's not something else grabbing my attention. I'm just... My, I'm all scatterbrained, is what I am. Chapter 56 goes like this. He could not get her out of his mind. Yeah, no kidding. Phil, you're obsessed. He laughed angrily at his own foolishness. It was absurd to care what an anemic little waitress said to him, but he was strangely humiliated. Though no one knew of the humiliation but Dunsford, and he had certainly forgotten, Philip felt that he could not have peace till he had wiped it out. He thought over and over what he had better do. He made up his mind that he would go to the shop every day on the fill. It was obvious that he had made a disagreeable impression on her, but he thought he had the wits to eradicate it. He would take care not to say anything at which the most susceptible person could be offended. All this he did, but it had no effect. When he went in and said good evening, she answered with the same words, but when once he omitted to say it in order to see whether she would say it first, she said nothing at all. He murmured in his heart an expression which thought, frequently applicable to members of the female sex, is not often used used of them in polite society. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but with an unmoved face he ordered his tea. He made up his mind not to speak a word and left the shop without his usual good night. He promised himself that he would not go any more, but the next day, at tea time, he grew restless. He tried to think of other things, but he had no command over his thoughts. At last, he said desperately, After all, there's no reason why I shouldn't go if I want to. The struggle with himself had taken a long time and it was getting on for seven when he entered the shop. I thought you weren't coming, the girl said to him when he sat down. His heart leaped in his bosom as he felt himself reddening. I was detained. I couldn't come before. Cutting up people, I suppose. Not so bad as that. You are a student, aren't you? Yes. But that seemed to satisfy her curiosity. She went away, and since at the late hour there was nobody else at the, her tables, she immersed herself in a novelette. This was before the time of the sixpenny reprints. There was a regular supply of inexpensive fiction written to order by poor hacks for the consumption of the illiterate. Philip was elated. She had addressed him of her own accord. He saw that the time approaching when his turn would come, and he would tell her exactly what he thought of her. It would be a great comfort to express the immensity of his contempt. He looked at her. It was true that her profile was beautiful. It was extraordinary how English girls of that class had so often a perfection of outline which took your breath away, but it was a, as cold as marble, and the faint green of her delicate skin gave an impression of unhealthiness. All the waitresses were dressed alike, in plain black dresses with a white apron, cuffs and a small cap. On a half sheet of paper that he had in his pocket, Philip made a sketch of her as she sat leaning over her book. She outlined the words with her lips as she read, and left it on the table when he went away. It was the inspiration for the next day. When he, he came in, she smiled at him. I did not know you could draw, she said. I was an art student in Paris for two years. I showed that drawing you left behind and you last night to the manageress, 
manageress, and she was struck with it. It was meant to be me. It was, said Philip. When she went for his tea, one of the other girls came up to him. I saw that picture you'd done of Miss Rogers. It was the very image of her, she said. That was the first time he had heard her name, and when he wanted his bill, he called her by it. I see you know my name, she said, when she came. Your friend mentioned it when she said something to me about that drawing. She wants you to do one of her. Don't you do it? If you once begin, you'll have to go on, and they'll all... Oh, don't you do it. If you once begin, you'll have to go on, and they'll all be wanting you to do them. Then, without a pause, with peculiar inconsequence, she said, What's that young fellow that used to come with you? Has he gone away? Fancy you're remembering him, said Philip. He was a nice-looking young fellow. Philip felt a peculiar sensation in his heart. He did not know what it was. Dunsford had jolly curling hair, a fresh complexion, and a beautiful smile. Philip thought of these advantages with envy. Oh, he's in love, said he, with a little laugh. Philip repeated every word of the conversation to himself as he limped home. She was quite friendly with him now. When opportunity arose, he would offer to make a more finished sketch of her. He was sure she would like that. Her face was interesting, the profile was lovely, and there was something curiously fascinating about the choleric colour. He tried to think what it was. At first he thought of sea of pea soup, but driving away that idea angrily, but driving away that ang- that idea angrily, he thought of the petals of yellow rosebud when you tore it to pieces before it had burst. He had no ill feeling towards her now. She's not a bad sort, he murmured. It was silly of him to take offence at what she had said. It was doubtless his own fault. She had not meant to make herself disagreeable. He ought to be accustomed by now to making at first sight a bad impression on people. He was flattered at the success of his drawing. She looked upon him with more interest now that she was aware of his small talent. He was restless next day. He thought of going to lunch at the tea shop, but he was certain there would be many people there then, and Mildred would not be able to talk to him. He had managed before this to get out of having tea with Dunsford, and punctually at half past four he had looked at his watch a dozen times, he went into the shop. Mildred had her back turned to him. She was sitting down, talking to the German whom Philip had seen there every day till a fortnight ago, and since then had not seen at all. She was laughing at what he said. Philip thought she had a common laugh, and it made him shudder. He called her, but she took no notice. He called her again, then, growing angry, for he was impatient, he rapped the table loudly with his stick. She approached sulkily. How do you do? he said. You seem to be in a great hurry. She looked down at him with the insolent manner which he knew so well. I say, what's the matter with you? he asked. If you'll kindly give your order, I'll get what you want. I can't stand talking all night. Tea and toasted bun, please, Philip answered briefly. He was furious with her. He had the star with him and read it elaborately when she brought the tea. If you'll give me my bill now, I needn't trouble you again, he said icily. She wrote out the slip, placed it on the table and went back to the German. Soon she was talking to him with animation. He was a man of middle height with a round head of his nation and sallow face. His moustache was large and bristling, he had on a tail coat and grey trousers, and he wore a massive gold watch chain. Philip thought the other girls looked from him to the pair at the table and exchanged significant glances. He felt certain they were laughing at him, and, he bo- and his blood boiled. He detested Mildred now with all his heart. 
He knew that the best thing he could do was to cease coming to the tea shop, but he could not bear to think that he had been worsted in the affair, and he devised a plan to show her that there that he despised her. Next day, he sat down at another table and ordered his tea from another waitress. Mildred's friend was there again, and she was talking to him. She paid no attention to Philip, and so when he went out, he chose a moment when she sat, when she had to cross his path. As he passed her, he looked at her as though he had never seen her before. He repeated this for three or four days. He expected that presently she would take the opportunity to say something to him. He thought she would ask why he never came to one of her tables now, and he had prepared an answer charged with all the loathing he felt for her. He knew it was absurd to trouble, but he could not help himself. She had beaten him again. The German suddenly disappeared, but Philip still sat at other tables. She paid no attention to him. Suddenly he realised that what he did was a matter of complete indifference to her. He could go on in that way till doomsday and it would have no effect. I have not finished yet, he said to himself. The day after he sat down in his old seat and when she came up said good evening as though he had not ignored her for a week. His face was placid, but he could not prevent the mad beating of his heart. At that time, the musical comedy had lately leaped into public favour, and he was sure that Mildred would be delighted to go to one. I say, he said suddenly, I wonder if you'd dine with me one night and come to the Bell of New York. I'll get a couple of stalls. He added the last sentence in order to tempt her. He knew that when the girls went to the play, it was either in the pit, or, if some man took them, seldom to more expensive seats than the upper circle. Mildred's pale face showed no change of expression. I don't mind, she said. When will you come? I got off early on Thursdays. They made arrangements. Mildred lived with an aunt at Hearn Hill. The play began at eight, so they must dine at seven. She proposed that she should meet her that he should meet her in the second class waiting room at Victoria Station. She showed no pleasure, but accepted the invitation as though she conferred a favour. Philip was vaguely irritated. Alright, there we go, Philip, being vaguely irritated. Sounds about right. Have your say about this chapter over at the subreddit, if you please. Thanks very much for listening, and I will see you tomorrow.